Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning, everyone. Hello. Um, hey, uh, it's been a, an interesting week. I have seen now a gopher. I've seen a seagull. I've seen the geese, and I think I even heard robins. Has anybody seen robins? Okay, well, maybe not then. I don't know. I'm not that much of a birder, but I was pretty sure I heard them the other night. And so I'm in short sleeves now. It is summer, and uh, we're carrying on. I don't care what the temperature is outside today. All right? Let's just go with that. Hey, before I get into the message today, I just want to say, way to go, FBC. Um, I am so proud of you guys after Jingle Jam, not Jingle Jam, Easter Jam. Well, I was proud of you after Jingle Jam, too, the drive-in. That was really sweet. But Easter Jam on Friday night was amazing. Um, We had over 350 people here. um, And with, with volunteers, we were over 600 or 400 over 600? That's, I would have loved that. We were over 400, I think like 418 or something or other like that with volunteers. And um, it was such a cool night. Kelsey and her team did such an amazing job pulling that off. And then um, just seeing people here from the community and having people coming up to me just throughout the evening, just kind of going like, so you guys do this? Like, is this something that you do regularly? And I said, well, except for COVID. And and so anyways, they're excited about that, and some are even talking about coming and checking out church and the kids' program and, and things like that, and so way to go. And then the way that everybody just hung out afterwards and, and cleaned um, to help us be ready for today, given all the things that have happened this week for Wade and Wendy and so on and so forth, um, man, just stellar, stellar. I just was jacked up uh, watching it happen and seeing you guys in action and, and just watching God working through you. So awesome job, way to go. Last week, um, Bruce launched us into a new series uh, that we uh, have called What a Difference Three Days Makes, and he did that by looking at Pilate. He did a great job of just taking a really interesting look at Pilate, and specifically, who actually has authority. And from that, then, Bruce presented, made the case that we should all be taking a sober look at our own pride and how we take uh, 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 our perspective in life, how we approach things according to who we think we are and what authority that we have, and so on and so forth. And, and, and really, though, whose authority actually it is? God's authority. And so if you didn't see that message, I would encourage you to go back and check that out. It's an interesting look at Pilate, and it's a really good question for each of us to examine. Who do we think really has authority in our lives? This morning, we're going to carry on in the series, and we're going to be looking at 
the difference that three days made for Peter, just like Barry was saying just a minute ago. And over the course of this series, we're going to actually look at a couple of other figures uh, or some other figures that were there for the original three days, from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. And so as we look at these people today and going forward and pilot last week, our objective is, is for each of us to, to be looking at ourselves and learning from these people that we would be able to take them as an example so that we could then examine ourselves and learn from them, find out how we could uh, apply what we see in them to ourselves and be better and different because of that. So as we launch in, let's just again ask God to come and be with us, speak to us. So if you would, bow with me in prayer. Father, today again, Lord, as we come to this Easter season, as we consider the difference that these three days have made in the lives of these different figures that were there at the time, Lord, we say thank you for the difference that we see there. But Father, at the very same time, we recognize that these three days didn't just make a difference for them, they make a difference for us as well as we allow you into our world and as we bring our lives in line with who you are. And so this morning, as we examine Peter, I pray that you would come alongside us, that you would help us to hear from you today, Uh, that we would see Peter and that we wouldn't just examine him, but we would then use him as an example for ourselves. And so to that end, God, we commit this time. We ask for your blessing upon it. And we do so all in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. All right. So quickly, let's take a look at the difference that these three days made in Peter's life. And so to do that, if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 22, we're going to look at verses 54 to 62. And we'll see here as we begin the difference that these three days made over the uh, in the life of, of uh, Peter. So we're picking up this story here in the Garden of, of Gethsemane. And so what has just happened is that Judas has just betrayed Christ. And now he's been arrested. Jesus has been arrested by the soldiers and they are taking him away. So Luke 22, verses 54 to 62. Then seizing him, the soldiers, soldiers they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, with Jesus. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later... Someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, the, the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So right here now, as we come to this story that Barry was just talking about, where Peter f- fulfills Christ's prediction of denying him three times, it's really important to understand something. 
First of all, we need to understand that Peter's denial of Jesus was not a complete repudiation of Christ, which is to say that he didn't just turn and walk away and abandon his faith in Jesus. That's not what this denial amounted to. He wasn't saying to Jesus, I'm done with you, it's over, I'm out of here. But rather, it was a denial of his association with Jesus. And we see that it wasn't a complete denial of his faith by virtue of Peter's reaction. After it had happened, he wept bitterly. So it was a denial of association, not a complete repudiation of his faith. Peter was trying to distance himself. He was trying to create space between himself and Jesus. He didn't want to be associated with Christ in that moment. And so while it wasn't a denial of his faith, it was nonetheless a denial, nevertheless, of Christ. He didn't renounce his faith, but he did deny Christ. Now, let's turn to John 21, verses 15 to 19. This is picking it up after the three days, after Easter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, so Jesus is now together again with his disciples. And Simon Peter is Simon's sort of full name, if you will. And actually, we'll see Christ address him even more formally yet. So they're together They've just had a meal, and Jesus turns to Peter. And he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This was following Christ's resurrection. This was another appearance of Jesus after his resurrection to the disciples. So we've seen Christ crucified, buried, and now risen again. 
Peter has witnessed it. He's seen Christ hauled before the religious leaders and then before Pilate. Convicted. Flogged. Sentenced to death. Crucified on a cross. Taken down. Buried. And then risen again. And now he has seen him again after his resurrection. And Jesus says to Peter, as he appears to him again after his resurrection, he comes to Peter and he addresses Peter directly as to Peter's devotion now. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And what we find here is Peter, a very different Peter. Very different Peter. His response as he expresses his allegiance to Christ is now humble and sincere. Gone is the bravado. The bravado that we've seen before from Peter. Peter, if we go back to Mark 14, verse 19, for example. There, as Jesus was talking about his death and what was going to happen, he says, you're all going to abandon me. And Peter says, I will never abandon you. If all fall away, he says, I will not. And two verses later, he makes the assertion to Jesus that even if I have to die, or sorry, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Gone is the bravado. Gone are these bold assertions from Peter. And they're replaced by just a humble, a simple, and a sincere devotion. Lord, you know that I love you. We know that Peter was sincere in this. We know that he wasn't just now trying to blow smoke and be all bold and courageous. He's seen Christ crucified and now risen. And he signs on sincerely. We also see that he signs on for the right cause now. We see that gone is Peter's misconception of who Christ is and what the role of the Messiah is. Before, when Christ had indicated that he was going to die, Peter had said, Lord, you don't have to die. Like, he rebukes Jesus and says, none of this death business. We're not going to be talking about any of that. You don't have to die. And Jesus actually tells him then to get behind me, Satan. Because at that time, for, for Peter, it just didn't commute, compute. 
The Messiah was one with power. He was going to come and he was going to assert his dominance. He was going to establish his rule. That was what the Messiah was all about. And so as Christ talked about death, well, then Peter's having none of it. He's saying, enough of that talk, Jesus. So gone now is all of Peter's misconception about what Jesus was all about. And we see Peter, again, sincerely sign on for the mission of Christ. As Jesus questions Peter about his allegiance, Peter pledges, on, pledges his devotion to the cause, sincerely and simply. Now we see that Peter was sincere in both his devotion and his understanding from his response to Jesus. First of all, as Christ asks him this question three times, Peter appeals to Jesus in his ability to know all things. He says, Lord, you know I love you because you know all things. Before Peter had been expressing his devotion and in his knowledge, Jesus said, no, you're going to deny me three times. So knowing now that Jesus knows Peter says, you know I love you because you know all things. So in that we see his sincerity in his devotion. We see it also in Christ's response to him. Gone now is Christ's cross-examination of what's going to happen. Gone now is his allegations of denial. And instead is his acceptance of Peter's response, and of Peter's love. And lastly, we see that Peter's sincere in this, in that as Jesus predicts his martyrdom, Peter doesn't flinch. Jesus says, hey dude, you're going to be taken away to a place you don't want to go. You're going to be stretched out and you're going to be crucified like I was. And Peter sticks to the plan. He was sincere. He was devoted. And from that point on, we see that play out in the life of Peter as he goes on over the next three plus decades to serve God and to be used significantly by Him. These three days made a profound difference in Peter's life. Profound difference. And they should make a similar difference for you and I today. So let's take a look maybe at what we can learn this morning as we examine Peter and as we Use him as an example for ourselves today. Number one, first thing that we need to understand is that like Peter, we too deny Christ. 
We read this story so often, and we look at Peter and we go, wow, dude, you sure dropped the ball. And unfortunately for you and I today, we drop the ball as well. And this morning, as we come into this section of the message, if you're here this morning, and you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, can I just say that I'm going to be speaking to those that do claim to be followers of Jesus Christ this morning. From this point on, I'm going to be speaking very specifically to people that would count themselves and call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're not in that boat yet, first of all, again, we're excited to have you with us. Thanks for coming, and we hope that we can present a case for Christ that would bring you to that point where you would make that decision. And all I would say for you this morning right now is I would remind you of a piece of scripture from Matthew chapter 10, verse 33. And there it says this. This is Jesus talking again. He says, But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So this morning, if you haven't come to that point yet, what you need to understand today is that all of us are required to give an answer for who we believe Jesus to be. And this isn't really so much a threat from Jesus as it is just the facts. That Jesus will treat us as we treat him. He will reciprocate. He's going to honor your request. If you deny him, then he will deny you. He will not supersede your decision. He won't overrule it. He'll abide by it. So at some point, we all have to make this decision and Not making a decision is, in fact, making a decision. So as you're here and as you're maybe listening online or what have you, as you're contemplating who this Jesus is, just remember, it's not an academic exercise. One day, we believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we'll all be required to give an answer for that, for how we've answered that. So I trust that you'll come to that decision as well, so that at that point, then Jesus won't have to disown you before his Father in heaven. For the rest of us this morning, we deny Jesus, just like Peter. It's not a renouncing of our faith, but it's a disassociation from him. It's where we try to create distance in our lives between him and us. And we see that happen in so many different ways. First of all, I think that it happens as we deny him in our priorities. We sit here this morning and we say that Jesus is our number one priority in life. And yet as we live out our lives, we see that our priorities supersede his so often, day in and day out. As we go through life, our priorities get the nod. They move up the list. And Christ's move down. We ignore them. Sometimes we'll even argue against them. We'll find a way to argue for our own priorities over his. And as we do that, we deny him. We deny who he is. We deny his priorities. We deny his principles. We deny his standards, 
and we pursue our own. And that's a denial of Jesus. We deny Christ also as we choose not to follow his instructions in our lives. The things that he sets out for us as direction. The things that he sets out for us as issues or areas that he wants us to do or accomplish or tackle. We look at them and we say, no, thank you. I've got my own priorities, my own agenda. I'm going this way, just like Jonah. So we deny him in these different ways. So often, so simply. And you're sitting here this morning and you say, well, but Doug, this is different. That's different. Peter, Peter actually here denied Jesus. He actually just said it straight up. I don't know him. And I would ask again, what about you? As you sit down in a restaurant, are you ashamed to pray? Waitress might come up and interrupt you or see you praying. Ooh, that'd be awkward. How about, how about when you get into that discussion at work and somebody's asking some questions or whatever and you're starting to answer and then they all of a sudden turn and look at you and say, you're not one of those Christians, are you? And we, ah, uh, well, ah, uh, ah, uh, and we stutter and stammer and try and find a way to skate around that. How about, how about when somebody finds out that you go to church? What's your first thought? Yeah, well, I go with my wife. Right? It's all her fault. I take my kids. Nothing to do with me, really. I think that we often deny Jesus in our lives. Again, we haven't renounced our faith. But picture him. If at that point you saw him look at you. As you just forgot about praying, just push that aside at that restaurant. Picture Jesus standing in the line looking at you at that point. Would that hurt? If he was standing a little bit further away from the water cooler at work, and he heard you talking about the fact, well, yeah, no, I don't... Yeah, I go to church, but it's not really me. It's all because of my kids. And you saw him look at you, Would that hurt? A piece of scripture that we need to be f- focused on here to combat that in our lives, to combat those times that we deny Christ, I think comes for us in Matthew 6, 25 to 33. Jesus here speaking, Sermon on the Mount. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? When we're denying Christ 
because of our agenda. We're denying, when we're denying Christ because of our priorities, it's usually because we're worried about life, right? We're trying to accomplish all these things for ourselves, accumulate all these things for ourselves. Jesus says, don't worry about all that stuff, man. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what, will, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. As we see the three days of Easter, Christ crucified, buried, and risen again. We're reminded that like Peter, we deny him, but that rather now than staying there and continuing to deny him, that we should be acknowledging him and seeking first his kingdom in all facets of our life. Number two, like Peter, Jesus will recommission us. 1 John 1.9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. As we drop the ball and as we deny him, then we've got to remember, just, just like Peter, Christ will recommission us as well. We're not done for Jesus. As we confess that sin, Christ is faithful and just to forgive us that sin and to push back into the game. So knowing that, then we best not disqualify ourselves. Oftentimes, we make those mistakes and pretty soon we're convinced Satan comes along and uses it to convince us that, well, now we're no good at all. We've lost our opportunity. We've lost our chance. It's a lie. Just like we were singing about, it's a lie. As we come back to Christ and as we confess to him, then he will recommission us just like Peter. Peter didn't wallow in it. He went outside and he wept bitterly, so we know that he was discouraged by what he had done. But a few days later, we see him back together with the disciples. He's back on board. So he didn't wallow in it. He recognized he had dropped the ball. But he picked it back up again. Got back in the saddle, and we best as well. Number three. Like Peter, we should find confidence in Christ's death and resurrection. Christ's death and resurrection have bearing for us now, not just when we die, 
They make a difference for us every day. Those things make a difference for us every day. These three days make a difference for us every day. We see that in a number of different ways. I'm going to point out four of them this morning. Number one, the difference that Christ's death and resurrection makes for us is, first of all, number one, we need to understand that God is on, on our side. He is for us. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As you get up every morning, remember that God is on your side. He is rooting for us. He is cheering for us. He loves us. Day by day, that makes a difference in how we live. As we remind ourselves of that fact that Almighty God is riding shotgun with us today in our lives. He's with us. He's on our side. We don't have to go into every day with our heads down, broken, cowed, forlorn. We are children, children of him. And he is on our side, alongside with us. Number two, his promises are true. Joshua 23, verse 14 says, Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. This is Joshua speaking to the people. This is after everything that's happened for Joshua in his life, as God has used him to move into the promised land and, and all the things. Go back and read the book of Joshua. It's my favorite book. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth, Joshua says. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Not one of them. Not one of them has failed, he says. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Let me remind you also of Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. There it says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. He do, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Not at all. All his promises are true. In Jesus, his death and resurrection, we find the culmination of all God's promises to us over time. All of them are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Everything that God promised is leading up to the arrival of Jesus Christ. Christ's arrival, death, and resurrection then prove to us that all of Christ's promises or God's promises are true. They're all pointing to that. They all rest on that. And as we see that fulfilled then, we know we can stand firm in the fact that all of God's promises are true. Again, that changes the way that we live every day. At least it does if we know his promises. Starting with the one that my mercies are new every morning for each of us. These three days make a huge difference as we consider God's promises in our lives and as we stand on them, as we rest in them, as we're secure as a result of them. Fourth thing. Christ's death and resurrection reminds us that our hope is secure. 
in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1 verses 8 to 12 says this, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am, Paul says. Yet, this is no cause for shame. Because I know whom I have believed. And am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul, suffering, scorned, beaten, abused for his faith, looks back at Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, the gospel, and he says, I am convinced. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a a doubt that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. We're not fools as we put our faith in Jesus Christ. His promises are true, not the least of which is that we can have life with him eternally in heaven one day as we die here. This week, this week, we have seen the significance of having hope in Jesus Christ again. As we've seen a tragedy in the life of one of our church family. Suddenly, tragically, Michelle's passed away. But because of Jesus, our hope today is not one of, oh, I hope that this really works out. But rather, our hope today is that I know, I am fully convinced that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. As we place our faith in Jesus Christ, then we no longer fear death. Like Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we can stand secure in that hope today that we don't have to fear it anymore. We don't have to fear death. Oh, it's going to hurt. Absolutely, it's going to hurt. Wade and Wendy and the family, they're hurting this week. It sucks. As I look out, I see others that are hurting this morning because you've had similar experiences recently. It hurts. But in the midst of that hurt, we have this confidence that this is not the end as we place our faith in Jesus Christ. That one day we can be reunited with others as we all Come to trust in him. Number four, 
this morning? What can we learn from, the, from Peter as we see the difference in his life over these three days? Well, like Peter, we see that God can make us effective. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. As we read about Peter and as we see what he went on to do in his life, we so oftentimes say, well, that could never happen to me. I could never be Peter. This morning, a couple things here. Number one, God's not asking you to be Peter. He had Peter to be Peter. Peter isn't here now, but you are. God needs you to be you. And he needs you to lean into him today so that he can do infinitely more than we could ask or expect in our lives. You don't know who you can be in Christ until you allow him to take and use you today. What we do know, what we do know from watching Peter is that as we allow him to use us, that we will do far more than we ever thought we could that we will be way more significant for him than we ever understood that we might have been. Sitting here today might be the next Billy Graham. Might be the next Ruth Bell Graham. Might be the next D.L. Moody. Who knows? I don't know. But God does. And he's waiting for us to say, take and use me. Make me effective for the mission of Jesus Christ just like Peter. The question is, the question is now, is whether or not we'll take him up on it. I saw people here on Friday night that took him up on it. Easter Jam was a huge success. We impacted 350 people last Friday night for Jesus. I know, this morning I'm preaching to the choir. I saw a lot of you here on Friday night. So way to go again. For those of us, though, that haven't been out, that aren't involved, that are sitting back maybe examining Peter, reading about him, thinking of it in his terms, but not our own, Peter's a call to you and I today to get into the game. To get busy. To get at it. For the sake of the gospel. And thereby, as we do, to watch God use us and make us effective for Christ's sake. There have never been three more significant days than Good Friday to Easter Sunday. Not just for the figures then, but for you and I today as well. Let's pray. Father, today, 
Again, Lord, as we come to Peter and as we look at him, Father, would you help us to start to see ourselves? Would you help us to become more like him? In our own way, in our own place and time, that you would help us to grow in you. And Lord, that you would surprise us at what you can do in us and through us that you would turn us into a force for the gospel, that we would have an impact in our families, for our neighbors, at work, in our community, that you would take us as a church, and that you would make us effective for you, that our testimony would grow, that our witness for you would grow as we build into the lives of, of our community, of the people around us as we value add to them and as we earn an opportunity to point to you. Father, take us. Use us. Grow us. Build us. Leverage us. All for Jesus' sake, on account of what he did between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. For we ask these things now in his precious name. Amen. Thank you for coming. If you have... Around Friday, we'd love to see you for Good Friday, 10.30, Easter Sunday, next week. We'll see you then.